you can't walk down the street without seeing someone uh, evade and people's friends are doing it and yeah it's just there's a lot more visibility you do hear about it a bit more in the media people know what it is now it's not just it's not just you know those those young kids off doing something weird you know Welcome to Superfat, a podcast from Stuff. I'm Laura Walters. And I'm Katie Kenny. In this podcast series, we delve into the weird and wonderful world of trends. We've looked at cryptocurrency, DNA mapping, binge watching TV, and this week we're talking about vaping. Now you've probably seen people vaping maybe outside buildings or while walking down the street, or you might have even smelt the clouds of vanilla scented vapour as it hits you in the face. It's pretty similar to smoking, but there's no tobacco combustion. Basically, a battery-powered device, often known as a vape or an e-cigarette, heats a flavoured liquid known as a juice or an oil that sometimes has nicotine and sometimes doesn't, and as it heats, this liquid turns into a vapour. E-cigarettes have been touted as helpful for people who are wanting to quit smoking because switching can reduce smokers' exposure to deadly tar, dangerous chemicals and other carcinogens. But other health experts worry they're not as good as we've been led to believe um, and could in fact be creating a new generation of nicotine addicts. And as with many new technologies that we've covered in this podcast, we're sort of in a regulation limbo at the moment, where those in charge are waiting for more research around the health effects to become more definitive. Meanwhile, the trend continues to gather steam. We figured we'd be spending most of our time discussing the impact of vaping on people's health. And while that's a really big and important topic, we quickly became fascinated by this whole community and subculture around vaping. At the very beginning, we heard from Melanie Palmer, the co-manager of the Wellington store, The Vape Shop. And when we visited Melanie, it was really refreshing as two young women in their 20s uh, to see another young woman behind the counter in an industry that's very male-dominated and specifically dominated by the stereotypical vapour who's a young guy, maybe in his 20s. Wearing a cap. Yep, tattoos on his arms, probably has ear stretches. Um, But we'll be hearing a bit more from Melanie later about the types of people who come into their store every day and how their customer base is starting to diversify. And later in the episode, we'll also be hearing from more Kiwi vapors, as well as health experts, including Letitia O'Dwyer at the Asthma and Respiratory Foundation and Dr. Stuart Jones. We also caught up with the Minister in Charge of Smoking and E-Cigarettes, Jenny Salisa. As you'll learn later, the evidence around regulation and health effects of vaping is inconclusive, so we thought it was important to go further than expert opinion and talk to as many people as possible who vape every day. So while I was off trying to track down a doctor to speak to, Laura, you joined a Facebook community. Yes, I joined a group on Facebook called VapeNZ. It has about 10,000 members. And I thought by posting in there, asking people to share their stories, I might track down one or two people that we could include in this episode. But what I actually got were dozens and dozens of people who were so keen to share their stories about vaping and especially those who had used it to quit smoking and soon those dozens of comments became hundreds of comments but we decided to just pick out a few stories to share with you throughout this episode Um, and I'm going to share one with you now. Like many, Brendan Hoare used vaping to help give up cigarettes but as he likes to say that's where the similarities end. He suffers from a chronic pain condition known as complex regional pain syndrome. And to cut a long story short, the medication he took to help him live a little bit better was actually having some pretty nasty side effects, including damaging his heart. 
Brennan says if he didn't quit smoking when he did, he probably wouldn't be here to share his story now. Essentially, he credits vaping with saving his life. And you can read a bit more about his story and others on the Superfair page on Stuff. A lot of people recommended we head to Grand Vape Co. Store owner Rob Graver tells us he has a loyal customer base, which is key because you wouldn't stumble across this store. It's tucked away in Grand Arcade on Willis Street here in Wellington. Rob shares the store space with his wife who does nails. When we walk in, she's on the other side of a partition with a client. It's a compact area with stacks of glass cases showing off vaping kits and rows of juices, the flavoured fluid used in vaporizers to create vapour. At this point, we tell him we don't know much about vaping, and he very patiently breaks down the process and tells us a bit about the various products we see in front of us. It's just taking a liquid, either with or without nicotine, um, heating that up through a coil of wire, um, and then that turns into a vapour, and that's what you breathe. It's very simple simple uh, principle. And you said either with or without nicotine. Yep. What's what's kind of more popular and what are the pros and cons of both? I mean, most people do have it with nicotine because they're you know, trying to replace the, the cigarettes. I'd say probably 95% at least of my customers would be ex-smokers. You know, a lot of people are surprised how easy it makes it. Um, you do occasionally get get the odd person that you know, struggles with it still. Um, but yeah, by and large it's very good response. People can like go either way, you know. Um, like for me personally, I still vape nicotine. Um, I've been vaping for close to five years now, but getting rid of nicotine was never a goal for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do get quite a lot of people that will just gradually drop their levels down and successfully get off it. We should point out that it's currently illegal to sell or manufacture nicotine juices in New Zealand, but a lot of shops do it anyway. They basically have to if they want to remain competitive. And Rob says that he doesn't know of anyone who's been prosecuted for doing this. Regulations are expected to come into force this year that could change that, but we'll talk a little bit more about the policy stuff later in the episode. And if you're wondering, Rob told us that a lot of New Zealand juices are made from a substance called MaxVG, which is vegetable glycerin, while others are made from PG or propylene glycol. Uh, But there have been some cases of people developing allergies to propylene glycol, so MaxVG seems to be more popular. Um, Katie and I also (laughs) want to, because part of the podcast is we try out whatever we're talking about. So um, we wanted to buy like a a vape and say, what do you call it, a vape? Yep. Cool. (laughs) Should get the lingo down. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And and yeah, some some liquid and stuff. So we're just... Rob shows us some of his popular starter kits priced at $50 and $55. How do you choose what liquid you want to put in it? Um, so liquids, that's the hardest choice because um, we've got about 100 flavours. So. Is there a most popular flavour? Uh, vanilla is really popular. Katie took a really long time to decide between the vanilla flavoured juice and the mint flavoured juice. She wanted to make sure that she made the right decision so there was a bit of sniffing the bottles going on. I eventually went for the mint juice uh, and Laura you went for a fruit 
punch flavour. Yeah, it was particularly sweet, but Rob assured me that it was his bestseller. Um, We should mention that when we bought these juices for the first time, neither of them had any nicotine in them. Rob told us that he doesn't sell juices with nicotine. But about a week later, I went into a different store to get some more liquid and a different flavour, and they were quite happy to sell me some juice with a little bit of nicotine in it. Rob sent us on our way and we headed straight back to the office, went behind the building and tried them out for the first time. <laughs> You're already sending it out your nose. So. I try to be more subtle but it's definitely not when you blow smoke out your nose. <laughs> okay, I'm turning mine off. Okay, I think mine's off. That was an interesting introduction to vaping. <laughs> oh man, I feel like this is really tarnishing my room. I know, the things we do for work. <laughs> It's fair to say we approach the method part of this podcast episode with gusto and Katie more so than myself. She was very good about trying out her vape morning, noon and night, Mm -hmm. sometimes on the street or by herself. (laughs) Um, But we were maybe a little bit too enthusiastic with the vaping because after a few days we both had pretty dry throats and then we both got sick. And while we're not saying that we got colds because we started vaping, we did decide to ease off of it a little bit. And because neither of us had been smokers prior to this, um, we did actually go and talk to some people working in vaping stores who said that it can cause a bit of throat irritation initially. Yeah, just for the first few days or so. We then did a bit more research into the health effects of vaping. Basically, the UK at the moment is leading the argument for e-cigarettes and personal vaporisers as harm reduction. Public Health England and Royal College of Physicians both advocate for wide promotion of e-cigarettes as a substitute for smoking. They say data shows they're 95% safer than tobacco. But the credibility of that estimate has been questioned. There's a lot of contradictory information out there from health organisations, and that has the medical community a little bit confused. And so you can understand why the public are confused as well. In New Zealand, the Ministry of Health says while vaping is safer than smoking, it's not harmless. However, the wider medical community is more vocal in its opposition to the promotion of e-cigarettes. And Katie, you spoke to Letitia O'Dwyer, the Chief Executive of the Asthma and Respiratory Foundation, about their stance on e-cigarettes. Probably the number one concern is, for a start, there's mixed messages and very little education or direction coming out Um, from the government and from the ministry at the moment as to what role e-cigarettes and vaping actually play. Where do you think we should be going and how quickly do you think we should be moving in terms of regulating the area? Yeah, I I mean, definitely we should be moving a lot um, quicker than what we are because the longer we leave it with no regulations in place, the longer it just becomes normalised. And that... um, term normalisation was what the tobacco industry, you know, big tobacco did extremely well going right back to the 1950s. It becomes just a normal part of everyday life. And, And you can see the amazing, you know, advertising, which is all out there. Following an inquiry into the use of e-cigarettes, the Thoracic Society of Australia and New Zealand said there's a strong case for much heavier restrictions on the products. It also quoted studies showing adverse effects of e-cigarettes on the lungs are immediate. One lab study of 30 healthy people who vaped for just five minutes showed worsening respiratory health measures. They were similar to those seen after smoking cigarettes. We also managed to get hold of Dr Stuart Jones, who's the New Zealand branch president of the Thoracic Society. Everyone told us he's the doctor to talk to about this subject. 
He describes himself as not only a concerned respiratory physician, but also a concerned father of teenagers. Can I, can I start by, by saying I, I agree that um, e-cigarettes are likely to be less harmful than smoking, all right? Um, and so uh, to that end, they may have uh, some health benefits to us as, as a nation. But if you think through it, the, the beneficial effects of e-cigarettes are going to be based on three factors which are currently all unknown. The first factor is to what degree are they less harmful than cigarette smoking? You know, how much harm reduction is there with them? The second is how many smokers will actually use them to quit smoking or completely change from cigarette smoking to e-cigarettes. And the third thing is, will it just become a gateway product that will get people hooked on nicotine and then they'll go looking for stronger and bigger hits, as it were, and end up cigarette smoking? Those, those are the three key factors. And as I say, at the moment, they're actually all unknown. But, but equally, I don't want to be seen as a big ogre either because for cigarette smokers, if they made a switch to e-cigarettes, that would be a harm reduction for them. So what would you like to see happen in the area? Look, I mean, one thing I think uh, is that I'd like to see the government move in terms of uh, getting firm legislation out there that these things are illegal to sell to under-18-year-olds. For a non-smoker, these are going to cause more harm. You know, they shouldn't be sucked into the uh, better than than cigarette smoking, and so therefore, you know, let's just give it a go because it's not as bad as cigarette smoking. These things will still cause harm to to more harm to a non-smoker than not smoking at all. Another big concern is that the wide and relatively poorly regulated marketing of e-cigarettes will make smoking socially acceptable again, especially in teens who are already taking advantage of discrete devices. Some have likened advertising methods used by vape companies to those used by the tobacco giants in the 1960s. Companies pay big money to make their products look cool. In 2014, e-cigarette companies spent $115 million on advertising in the US alone. They employ the likes of 21-year-old YouTuber Donnie Smokes with his 21,000 followers. He earns more than $1,000 a month reviewing these products. And this approach seems to work for the companies. Back in 2014, before vaping was even mainstream, 70% of US teens said that they had seen an e-cigarette ad. The second store we visit in Wellington is the Vape Shop. The Guzney Street location is their concept store. It has this industrial chic interior. Think exposed beams, concrete floors and a huge glass display filled with different juices. They tell us they have around about 155 flavours. The prominent branding is visible from the street and when we walk into the store we're greeted with plumes of vapour from two young guys sitting on the couch practising blowing smoke rings. We sit down across from co-store managers, Sam Nuri and Melanie Palmer, the woman we mentioned earlier who's loving her job in a male-dominated industry. Should we be able to kind of break down the, the types of people who come in or yeah, what like yeah. their backgrounds are and why they, you know, are getting into vaping? Huge, huge mix. Um, 
not sure if, if you're aware or not, but there, there is definitely like a stereotype of a vapor, um, sort of twenty-something white dude that wears a hat and does tricks. Um, Sam himself is a young guy who wears a flat-top cap, and next to him on the couch were those two other young guys, also sporting hats and puffing away while we all talked. As we packed up to leave, they told us a bit more about the vaping community who loved to do tricks like blowing the biggest or cleanest smoke ring. In fact, there was a bit of controversy at a recent community gathering because a competitor in the beginner tricks category blew a jellyfish as he walked away. He was disqualified from the beginners category because the jellyfish is considered an advanced trick. Katie and I were curious about what this jellyfish was, so one of the young guys who was sitting on the couch shows us a jellyfish. He inhales on his device and blows a perfect smoke ring. As it drifts away from him, he blows some more vapour through the centre of the ring, creating a hovering jellyfish. But not everyone fits the stereotype that Sam mentioned. Uh, one thing I was really pleasantly surprised about was the huge diversity in people that are getting into vaping. Um, we see a lot of uh, like sort of older people, a lot of kind of elderly, um, you know, who want to get off the cigarettes, possibly because of some kind of health concern or they just want to be proactive with that and address it before it starts. Um, we get a lot of uh, sort of business people, people in, you know, working in offices, high stress jobs, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of tradies, that's a big demographic, I think, um, you know, with the high pressure jobs they have. Most of our customer base, uh, even if they haven't been, you know, smokers for for a long time, which I'd say would be the majority, but most people have smoked at some point in their life. I would say it's it's, it's a lot rarer to have someone that has never smoked before picking up vaping. It's becoming a little bit more common. People, friends are doing it and they're having fun. We do get people coming in and saying, I want to vape, but I, I want it without nicotine. I have uh, seen some cases of people taking up vaping who weren't smokers, uh, one of which was quite interesting. The, the partner of an employee that works here, uh, she's uh, got celiac disease and it's a kind of gluten. Um, so she uh, gets a lot of the, the vape juices which are flavoured like cakes and, and bakery stuff. That way she can experience uh, you know, the, those kinds of things without actually harming herself. Um, I've also heard of it uh, for people who are um, diabetic, kind of candy, um, or uh, lactose intolerant, so they can have like milkshake flavours and that kind of thing. Um, I've also heard of people take up vaping who are sort of habitual snackers and, and use it as kind of a, a dietary thing to stop them, you know, eating so much throughout the day. They can kind of, you know, satisfy their taste buds without taking in any calories. So, yeah, no, there are definitely people who, um, you know, take up vaping without having ever been smokers. Uh, but I'd say probably a good 90% of, of our customers are either looking to quit smoking or they have been smokers in the past. It makes me think of that Friends episode where Rachel tries to smoke because that's where all the cool kids are hanging out, you know, outside the building. Laura, do you think it's time for you to share maybe another story from your Facebook community? Sure. So 24-year-old Aucklander Mariah started vaping around about a year ago. She and her partner were smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. They'd buy a 40-pack in the morning and that'd be gone by night, and then they'd have to buy another one or tell themselves to wait until the morning. But vaping changed all of that. When they kicked the habit, they started out with nicotine juice at about 8 milligrams per milliliter, but Mariah eventually got down to juices without any nicotine. And at that stage, she was just vaping at parties. It wasn't something that she did throughout the day. 
She did fall off the wagon a couple of months later when things were really stressful at work, but she was quick to cut her habit and go back to vaping. She said after quitting smoking, the taste of cigarettes was just disgusting to her. Her family loves that she no longer smells like cigarettes and colleagues know that now she can just pop out for a really short break, turn on her vape, have a couple of puffs and get back to work. She did have a really unpleasant experience a little while ago where she overdosed on nicotine in her e-cigarette. She was puffing away all day and hadn't had anything to eat and she became a bit nauseous and began vomiting. But after calling Quitline she found out what the problem was that she had overdosed and she was soon fine and hasn't made the mistake again. So the vape shop, the one with the guys blowing smoke rings, only sells juices from the United States, which are made in labs that meet the required standards of the International Organisation for Standardisation, or ISO. New Zealand doesn't have regulations around who can make the juices and where. And while there haven't been any known issues relating to contamination or hygiene so far, there is a risk. Currently, e-cigarettes and vaping are partially regulated in New Zealand, with the likelihood of more laws on the way. Last year, the former national government announced it would be legalising liquids and devices with nicotine with appropriate controls. When they made the announcement on the plan changes in March 2017, they said they expected the new regulations to come into effect about mid-2018, but that hasn't happened yet and doesn't look likely to happen soon. The new government is now in the process of gathering more information and research before taking a proposed plan to Cabinet. And like us, the government has found the research around vaping and e-cigarettes inconclusive. We caught up with the person in charge of smoking, nicotine and tobacco policy, Associate Health Minister Jenny Salisa, to see when the government's planning to pull vaping out of limbo. Apologies for the audio quality. We had to grab her in a particularly echoey part of the parliamentary precinct. I'm currently considering my options. I have asked the Ministry of Health to give me um, advice. And at the moment I'm currently considering my options for uh, possible regulation in this area for e-cigarettes and vaping. You know, if you're someone that follows the the vaping area in terms of evidence, uh, would know the evidence is inconclusive right now. Uh, Whether or not uh, it is something that works, uh, a lot of the evidence I've seen, uh, especially for adults, vaping seems to be a quick tool that works. However, one of the reasons why we're still considering our options is it's really inconclusive, especially for young people. Salisa says she's not ready to make a decision. She wants to take her time to look at the evidence and try to get it right. And to see how vaping fits into the government's ambitious, smoke-free Aotearoa 2025 goal. Among the many people willing to share their stories with us, there was no lack of people who'd tried for years to quit smoking with little to no success. Some had tried gum or patches or going cold turkey. Samantha Lusky from Christchurch quit because as a single mother, smoking was impacting her health and her wallet. Before vaping, the only success she'd had with giving up smoking was for a few months while she was pregnant. And Jodie Green contacted us to share her vaping experience. She recently lost half her tongue to mouth cancer. She suggested she share her story via email, as it can be a bit difficult to understand her sometimes over the phone. After hearing these stories, it's easy to understand why the community is so supportive of vaping, considering the huge impact it's had on their lives. But one man, who asked not to be named, wanted to get in touch with us to warn us that no matter what we put in this podcast episode, there would be some people in the community who would not be happy. 
He gave us some examples of times he'd raised potential issues or concerns about things like the ingredients in the juices or the lack of labelling. He'd also raised the lack of regulation around the devices, which in some cases have exploded in people's pockets and faces, causing really bad burns and injuries. But says when he raised these issues with the community, they were so worried about potential negative attention, they became very defensive and basically blocked him from online groups and community events. Largely, this wasn't our experience with the community. There was a little bit of shade thrown by a few members on the Facebook group, but most of those who we interacted with, especially the people in the shops, were keen to talk about the benefits of vaping in a really pragmatic way. They answered all of our questions, and they really wanted to get people on side rather than alienate them. This was actually in contrast to the medical community, who were really hard to get in touch with. Once we tracked him down, Dr Stuart Jones was more than happy to talk, but we didn't come across any other respiratory physicians who were. Meanwhile, members of the vaping community are very good at spreading the word. Online groups become real-life hangouts, and even, as we said earlier, competitions take place. There's also the hobby aspect of this. Some people like to build their own devices, and as Graham Vaitcoat pointed out, there are plenty of locals getting into making and selling juices. Like any new fad, vaping has its own special lingo. We've heard the terms juices, e-liquids, we've talked about coils, devices, jellyfish, tricks. We've really enjoyed getting to learn these terms and getting an insight into this world. Despite having this insight, neither of us are going to become permanent members of the community or take up vaping as a long-term habit, but we did give it a really good crack for the method podcasting portion of this episode. We both tried vaping two or three times every day and Katie you even vaped outside of your house. Yep I would bring my little device with me everywhere so that I could vape on the street and outside the office building it was very self-actualizing but with neither of us being smokers we didn't have the same incentive to continue doing it that other people might have. Yeah, and I actually found that there was something so ingrained in me that I struggled to actually force myself to physically vape. Just the action of picking it up, putting it in my mouth and inhaling seemed like I was doing something wrong after years and years of being told not to smoke. Really internalised that public health messaging. Yes, those campaigns truly worked. We'd love to hear from you. Have you tried vaping or has it maybe helped you give up smoking? If you'd like to read more about these personal stories we've been sharing throughout the episode, you can go to the Superfad page on Stuff, stuff.co.nz forward slash superfad. You can also join our Facebook group, Superfad, where Laura and I tune in to answer any questions and discuss the issues raised in each podcast. Every Monday at lunchtime, we do a Facebook Live video also following up on the previous episode. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Kenny Katie. And I'm at Walters Laura. This podcast was made by us. Alex Liu is our technical producer and John Hardevelt is our executive producer. <laughs>